0: Good morning. Well, good afternoon. Great to be here this morning. Uh, We're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 18 this morning, and I'm going to be dipping in and out of the chapter. So if you want to find it in your Bibles or on your phones, just have it ready. Uh, I'm going to be coming in and out of it. It's the story of Moses uh, having a visit from his father-in-law, Jethro, who comes and brings advice. I don't know if you've ever had any advice from your in-laws and how that went. I have to be careful because I'm an in-law myself now, so it's, it's not always easy to know what to say and what not to say. Um, I remember when I was a young mum and I had uh, my third baby, uh, my mother-in-law came to stay. And I uh, had a five-year-old, three-year-old, and then a new baby. And at one point, William and I had to go out And so I leave all three of them with my mother-in-law. And so, you know, I'd written out all these instructions, do this, don't do that, you know, and was quite anxious about it all. And as we are leaving, my mother-in-law said to me, you know, I have raised six children already. (laughs) It is hard, isn't it, to delegate sometimes. It's hard to give responsibility to others, particularly for the people and the things that we really care about. And we're going to see Moses has a bit of that struggle uh, today. The people of Israel, they've come through the Red Sea, they've fought the Amalekites, they've had all their food and drink provided for them, and now they're worrying about all kinds of other things, getting in conflict, getting in dispute, and they're coming with all their problems to Moses. And then along comes Jethro, Uh, Moses' father-in-law and the first thing we see is that Jethro and Moses they greet each other warmly and they have a long catch-up and Moses tells Jethro all about how you know what God has done for them you know that he's delivered them from from the Egyptians that he's provided for them miraculously and tells him all the wonderful things that are happening and I think he could have been tempted to kind of maybe big himself up and say you know of course I'm their leader uh, you know, to impress his father-in-law, but he doesn't. He just gives all the glory to God, and Jethro responds with faith. Jethro is not an Israelite. He comes from Midian. He's a priest in Midian. We don't really know what that means, but he maybe he was a worshiper of other gods. And yet, in this moment, as Moses tells him all that's happened. He he comes to faith in God. And so we're going to pick up what he says in verse 11 of Exodus 18. He says this, Now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods, for he did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and other sacrifices to God, And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law in in the presence of God. So they get together, there's this declaration of faith, they worship with their sacrifices and God's presence comes close to them. It's it's a wonderful moment in their history. And then the next morning, it's like it's take your father-in-law to work day. And uh, Jethro goes along with Moses to find out what he does with all his time, and he just observes what's happening. So in verse 13, it says, The next day Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood round him from morning to evening. So there's a big queue of people, and they've all got different disputes. So maybe, oh, you know, you pitched your tent too close to mine, and she's stolen my best cooking pot, and these two are arguing, can you sort them out? And there was just this long line of people. I think it must have been a bit like, you know when you go to the post office in your lunch hour, and you haven't really got time, but you think, I'll just go and then you walk into the post office, and it's like all the staff have also gone on lunch, and there's only one window open, and there's people doing passports and parcels, and you just know, oh, I'm going to be here for ages. And the people of God were queuing up to see Moses from morning to night, and getting weary with it all. And Jethro sees this and he says this in verse 14. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand round you from morning till evening? Moses answered, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Now, remember, the people are in transition. They've come out of the oppression of Egypt. They don't have a legal kind of framework. They aren't really a nation yet. They're just just coming together. And Moses, I mean, he's a remarkable leader. Whenever he hears from God and obeys God, great things happen. So it's natural that they're going to go to him for everything that they need. He is the spiritual father of this community, this nation. I wonder what it was like for Moses. Is he thinking, well, you know, these people, they're very prone to moaning Uh, They can complain quite a lot. So, I need to keep them all happy. I need to solve things as quickly as I can. And, you know, so I just need to see all these people. In the previous stories we've looked at, Moses has cried out to God for answers. But I don't know, in this passage, it feels like he's just giving them his own wisdom. And. It's not, there's nowhere implied that he's disobeying God, but it's like he's just doing what he needs to do, what's in front of him. I wonder if you know that feeling when you're really busy and there's lots of people coming to you, maybe your email inbox is full and there's lots going on, that you just do what you have to do and you lose a bit of perspective. And this morning, I hope you can maybe just reflect a little bit and see your priorities again. Jethro would have remembered when Moses came back from that burning bush moment when God had called him to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. And in that moment, Moses had been like, I can't lead these people. I can't do this. And then talking to God, God you know, together with God, they come up with a solution. Well, if you let Aaron come with me and he helps me and he speaks for me, then maybe I can do it. But now in this situation, he's like, I've got it covered. I can do it. I'm doing it all by myself. So he's moved from I can't do it to I do it with others to he's just doing it all by himself. And his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing. I don't know if you wish sometimes that there was someone who sees everything you do. You know, sometimes there's people at work, they respect you and they see all that you do, but they don't understand the pressures you have at home. Or maybe at home, your relatives have no idea of what it's like for you at work. And then there's church as well. And and. Jethro had that ability to see everything that Moses was doing. Moses was a great man of God, but he still needed that external wisdom, that objective pair of eyes that could see what was going on and give him feedback. And Jethro said this in verse 17, Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Jethro is so direct. He's not negative. I mean, he doesn't undermine him. He doesn't say to him, oh, you're your useless leader. Don't bother. No, he, he, but he is direct, and, and he faces him up with this situation that isn't good, I mean, I do wonder if his daughter had primed him a bit and said, look, can you have a word with Moses? He's just out from morning till night, and he's just overwhelmed. We, we don't know. But he saw what was going on, and he noticed that Moses is doing this all by himself. He sat alone to judge, and you think, well, okay, where is... Aaron and her and Joshua and the elders, they'd all sat around the campfire the night before. Where are they now when they're needed? Why is it that Moses is judging alone? And leadership can be lonely, can't it? Maybe you're the only parent in your family and you're raising your children, you're going out to work, you're dealing with homework and it's It's a lot, and it feels lonely sometimes that you're taking all the responsibility yourself. Or maybe you're a manager at work, and and your team have no idea the pressure that you're getting from above about targets and deadlines. Or maybe you're a team leader here at King's, and You know, you get here early, you're on King's Kids, and you you want to create an atmosphere so that children can find out about faith in Jesus, and then other team members are late, and it's frustrating, because you feel like you're leading alone. It can be like that, and we can get stressed and overburdened, and Moses was in that situation, it's a gr- the great thing about Jethro is that he doesn't just see the problem, he actually comes up with some solutions. He, he was a really great father-in-law. So let's pick up the story in verse 19. He says this, "'Listen now to me, and I will give you some advice, and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions.'" And show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from all the people. Men who fear God, trustworthy men, who hate hate, dishonest gain. And appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties and tens. Let them serve as judges for the people at all times. But let them bring every difficult case to you. The simple ones they can decide for themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. Moses listened to his father in law and did everything he said. He chose capable men from all Israel and made them leaders of the people, officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They served as judges for the people at all times. The difficult cases they brought to Moses but the simple ones they decided themselves. Then Moses sent his father on his way and Jethro returned to his own country. Jethro starts by reminding Moses about what he is called to do. It's like he gives him his job description. He he says, these must be your priorities, and you've lost them a bit. And he has four priorities for him. To pray, so it's important he keeps that relationship with God. He hears from God. He cries out to God on behalf of the people. And then he is to teach the people what he has received from God. And he's to show them practically, by his own life, by his family's life, a model of of living out the teaching of God. And then he is to delegate. So to pray, to teach, to show, and to delegate. And that's what he must do. And then. Jethro also shows him who he should delegate to. So it's capable people, godly people, trustworthy people. It's not just willing people. It's people who've got skills, who's got something to offer. It's it's not just capable people. It's people who trust in God, who fear God, who follow God. He, he, He mustn't delegate to the moaners and the grumblers. He needs to delegate to those who have got faith in God. And then he needs to delegate to trustworthy people, not just people who are really gifted. I'm sure we've all met people who are very gifted, but they're not reliable. Maybe they're not completely honest. They exaggerate. Here he's putting together the three qualities of a great leader, a great server. And Moses listened, and he put this into practice. Now, we don't know how long it took him to implement this, to break it all down and to raise up these leaders. And I think it probably took a while because... This story is referred to again in Deuteronomy chapter one and in numbers 11. So in Deuteronomy one, uh, Moses talks about uh, you know, setting people over thousands, hundreds, 50s and tens. And in numbers 11, there's a story where God says to Moses, "Get together 70 of your elders, and I am going to ta- put on them the same spirit that is on you, the spirit of God to lead people. And so God fills them with his spirit so that they too can lead like Moses and share the burden of leading the people. And that's a really key story because sometimes we can be tempted to think that organization and leadership and practical wisdom is kind of unspiritual in some way that story is saying, no, actually, these people were gifted by the Holy Spirit to lead and organize. And that's so important. It's just as important as being gifted to heal or to prophesy, because the church can only be cared for effectively and can move forward in its vision effectively if there is organization and leadership and planning. And we see that in the New Testament in the new testament between resurrection of jesus and the coming of the holy spirit at pentecost uh, the disciples met together to pray there were about 120 of them and there were 12 apostles so it's a pretty good ratio one apostle to 10 people a bit like the tens we see there but On the day of Pentecost, when the apostles preach the good news and tell everybody that if you repent and believe and be baptized, you can come into the kingdom of God, 3,000 people are saved. And two two chapters later, there's 5,000 in the church. And daily, people are being added. And you think, wow, how did they organize themselves? How did they look after all those people? We know that they met in the temple and in homes. And the temple was easy because the temple was right in the middle of Jerusalem. It's a massive building, so everybody knew where to go to. And you could literally gather thousands of people in the courtyards. So there the apostles could pray and teach and show people how to live. But how did they do that with 5,000 that needed to be In people's homes, also learning, praying, teaching, showing, somehow they managed to delegate out to hundreds and hundreds of people who welcomed people into their home and in small groups shared together. I mean, we have a pretty good system for our small groups here at King's. We work very hard behind the scenes to organize it, our King's life, our sign-in process. And we have, most terms, about 1,000 people across the church in groups. But I know that our system doesn't always work out. I mean, sometimes people sign up for a group, and whether their bit of paper gets lost or their email can't be you know, read, no one follows up. And that's really sad when that happens. Or maybe they go to a group and it's not as friendly as they hoped it would be. And I really hate that when our system doesn't work well, but we're human and imperfect. And things didn't always work out well in the New Testament either. Because not only did they meet in the temple and in homes but they also decided to do some social action too. And so they fed many widows, a bit like we feed people at the feast on Wednesday nights. And there was a bit of trouble around that. So let's dive into Acts chapter six and see what happens as they try to meet the needs of the growing number of people coming to them. Acts chapter six. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, The Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. So there's this Long queue of people needing feeding, and the people at the back, the people who felt overlooked were the Greek-speaking widows, so there was like a bit of a racial tension going on there as well, not a good situation, and so the 12 apostles get everybody together. And I think, you know, you immediately think, oh, they're going to say, let's all work harder, Uh, let's get here earlier, let's work till later, I'll get my wife cooking as well and all will be well. But they don't. They go back to their fundamental call. And they say, this is a bad situation. We mustn't neglect our calling to minister the word of God. And they must have come from a place where they believed there were all the capable, gifted, spirit-filled people in the congregation to meet the needs of the ministry that was evolving. So their reaction was not to work harder themselves, but to hold on to their call and to delegate this work out to other people in the church. And we read this in verse 3. Brothers and sisters choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. I love that. There's this just turning responsibility over. There's no guilt. There's no pressure. They see what needs to be done and they empower people to do it. This proposal pleased the whole group and they choose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timor, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid hands on them. And we see from the names that they are also a diverse group, so they represent the people who are being served, and therefore that brings security to the people of God. And I love what happens next in verse 7. So the word of God spread and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. And so we see that as they give over responsibility as they empower people to work in their gifting then there's just more and more growth and more and more people flood in and priests who were leaders in the Jewish faith I wonder if they looked on and they saw well okay maybe there's space for us to lead too maybe we can do something too we won't have to kind of start from the bottom we can get involved too and, and that's the wonderful thing about delegating. It, it raises up more leaders and it encourages people. And, you know, if we're going to see the fourth site flourish, if we're going to eventually get to a third meeting here at Catford in the new year, we're going to need people to take on new responsibilities. We're going to have to give people space to use their God-given gifts to empower and release people. You know, I could give you kind of a description of how that might happen and break it down to team leaders and our organisational structure. I could have a slide where, you know, you've got Steve Tibbet, he's our senior pastor. He's away on sabbatical at the moment, so do keep praying for him. Then you've got our elders, then you've got the staff team, and then there's just the rest. But that would be misleading because that would sound like a business organisation, but actually this is not this is the church this isn't a pyramid it's actually like an inverted pyramid because at the bottom is steve and the elders and their role is to set the direction and the vision of the church and to bring safety and security of doctrine and a sound foundation and then the staff team their responsibility is to implement and develop and equip and train And then all of us are to work together to fulfill the calling, the mission, to reach all the communities of Southeast London and and demonstrate through unity and diversity what the grace of God is like. We see this pictured in Ephesians chapter 4, this this principle of equipping the church. It says this in Ephesians 4 verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ." It's only as we work together, as we equip one another, that we grow up, that we use our gifts, that we become mature. We are the church together amongst us here at Kings. There are many capable, godly, trustworthy people, and we want to help you flourish and lead and serve, and whether that's here in the church or out in the community. We don't always do that perfectly, but that is... Our heart, you know, sometimes people say to me, Oh, you know, the church should do this, or the church should do that, and what they mean is the staff should do something, but actually, we are all in this together and we all belong together. And at the end of the meeting, if you want prayer, you know, don't come to a pastor, there's a brilliant prayer team, they're equipped and filled with the Holy Spirit to meet your needs. Let's respect and empower one another. Now, you may have noticed that in both these stories, it is men who are delegated to and raised up in leaders. But ladies, don't worry, okay? Because in the New Testament, we see, and in the Old Testament, we see women also empowered to serve and to lead, I love Romans 16. It's one of those chapters it can be easy to skip over because it's a long list of names. But in Romans 16, Paul, who is a great apostle, uh, evangelizes all the known world of his day, he lists all the pe- many people who've helped him, and many of them are women, who he names as co workers who he names as people who have mothered him and empowered him. So ladies, we're in this too. Men and women, young and old, whatever our background, we are called to play our part in the body of Christ. So as I close, who do you relate to in this story? Are you like Moses and you just feel overwhelmed with the responsibilities that you have, whether that's at work or at home or in the church. You know, you just feel there's too much. Maybe today is a moment to just stop and reflect and go back to your priorities. Go back to your calling. What is the thing that God has uniquely called you to do? What is the assignment he's put in front of you? And clear away some of the other stuff and focus on that. Maybe today you think, I'm I'm not sure I have a calling. You know, God has a purpose for every believer. Ask him, what am I doing here on this earth? What am I doing? What can I do that God has uniquely called me to do? Maybe you relate to Jethro. You're the kind of person that sees problems, and you also see solutions. And sometimes it goes through your head, and you see solutions. We need you. We need you to find your voice, to, to encourage other leaders, to come alongside people and positively and graciously give feedback. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't rubbish Moses. He lifts Moses up let's let's encourage one another and bring feedback that we can do better and do well i wonder what happened the very next day i mean did moses get out of his tent walk over to the place where he always sat and people queued up to meet him and settle their disputes and he did he think oh okay i need to remember what jethro said and so as the people are just gathering, he, maybe he picked someone out of the crowd and said, um, yeah, I know you. Will you come forward? Can you stand next to me? Could you deal with the first 10 people? Could you listen to them and pray with them and, and, and bring truth to them? And oh, you over there. Yeah, I know you well. You're a trustworthy person. Can you take 50 people over here and, and, and deal with them? I, I trust you and I'm here. I'll back you up. And people began to take responsibility. People came out of the queue and became part of the team. And I wonder today if there's some of you, you need to come out of the queue and be part of the team here at King's, you know. uh, Maybe it's literally out of the queue. This morning you were queuing up at electronic registration and, and God is saying to you, look, you're techie, you could help with this. Or actually, you should be on the other side. There's kids that need your fathering or mothering. Why, Why don't you start serving in kids or youth? Come out of the queue. Don't just receive. Give, serve, lead. Be who God has called you to be. You know, the people of Israel, they were drawn out of Egypt for a purpose. They were drawn out from being slaves to becoming servants of God, the people of God. They were called out of following to leading, from grumbling to governing, from the queue to the team. And God is calling you this morning. Let me just pray. I'll ask the band to come up. Lord God, we thank you that you have a purpose for every one of us, every believer, you have a purpose for us. I pray, Lord God, as we take a few moments now, will you... Speak to us again about the call you've put in our life, whether that's in the work, in the community, in our home, in the church, and won't you fill us again with your spirit that we will be the people you want us to be, in the name of Jesus, amen.